Sunday, January the 21st. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your invitation to be here. It's a real privilege and it's incredible just to see what God's doing through you all in this town. Um, God's got some great purposes for you, hasn't he? Seriously. Um, and it's going to be exciting to see what he does in and through you. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where it, it seemed to be going really well and then it went incredibly badly. Have you ever been in those situations? Yeah, you have, haven't you? Um, this, uh, um, we had a, a drum and dance group from Uganda visit our church and they uh, were looking for opportunities to share faith and they, they do the drums and dance and then, you know, they preach and, uh, phenomenal. It's great fun. Um, and, uh, they, I, I said to them, where, where, where would you like to go? You see? And, uh, and they said to me, he said, uh, we would like to go to the village of the gays. You see? Okay. So I'm thinking, well, there's quite a few villages in Cheshire and, uh, and I said, do you mean the gay village in central Manchester in Canal Street, um, which is where uh, the the bars and the clubs and so on? Um, uh, it's a very popular area. Um, in fact, it's it's um, it's one of the safest areas in the city, by the way, interestingly. Uh, so a lot of uh, single women go there to, um, you know, to the bars there because of the safety aspect to it. Um, and, uh, and they go, yes, yes, the, the village of the gays, you see. I said, well, I, I'm really sorry, but you, you can't go there, um, because, uh, it's well policed and, um, they have to do that because, uh, you know, groups go in and just harangue people. It's horrible. Um, and also some Christian groups go in and harangue people as well. So that's, um, and they just, you know, they keep people away to do that, you see. And they go, no, God has told us. I said, no, let's, have, let's, let's talk again. Um, you, you can't, you can't actually do that, you see. Um, but they were so insistent, um, that I said, I came to a compromise. Oh, great evangelist that I am, by the way. Um, <laughs> I came to a compromise, which was, as long as you see, sing and speak in Ugandan, it will be fine. I thought I got this sorted now. And, uh, so we took them down there, um, and, uh, went to Canal Street and they, they sort of set up the drums and, and, and costumes and started to dance and to drum. Within five minutes, you got 200, 300 people gathered. You know, it's Friday night. They thought this is, you know, Mardi Gras. This is wonderful. <laughs> Everyone's dancing away and singing and, uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, and then, it seemed to be going really well until the drums stopped and the dancing stopped and Pastor Sam stood up and started to preach in English. <laughs> so I am, I'm looking for the exits, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, you know, Paul may have planted churches with riots, but that was not my idea. Um, <laughs> and he starts to preach and he gives probably the most sophisticated evangelistic sermon I've ever heard in my life. Because he says, um, I want to tell you about a man that 
I know, um, I've met, and he's loved me more than any other man's ever loved me. Um, I've done some bad things in my life, and I've upset him, but he just he just keeps forgiving me. Um, he's never left my side. Um, there are many times I wanted to walk out on him, but he just just keeps turning up and is there. I just he had them in the palm of his hand. It was awesome. And there were a couple of ladies standing in front of me with their arms around each other. Um, and the five minutes in, one of them turns to the other one and says, Oh God, it's Jesus, isn't it? <laughs> she was, she was so disappointed. <laughs> so funny. Um, and then immediately they started up the drums again. Um, so. Anyway, it seemed to be going so well. <laughs> and then it didn't go so well, but then it got better. Very similar to, this, sorry, similar, but there's similarities to this story because Jesus is doing really well. You know, he's, he's, he's preaching it. He's, he's doing well. And, uh, and then how do you move in a story from all spoke well of him to all wanted to kill him? How do you move from that? I mean, that's, in terms of a situation going badly, this is, this is a situation which, uh, is, uh, is going badly. So when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He's going home. And, uh, they're all there, you know, waiting for the boy that, uh, they knew and, uh, uh, and they'd heard about the things he'd been doing. So they're obviously looking for a bit of entertainment themselves and, uh, um, and then he sits down, of course, and he goes through the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. We're not quite sure whether this is part of the service that was part of a kind of a lectionary or whether he chose it. We don't know. But uh, it was given to him. And then he begins to read it. And then, of course, you get the Jesus manifesto, don't you? Which is powerful, powerful to bring good news to the poor, um, to the poor in spirit, but also the poor, the poor, um, those left on the outskirts of society those for whom have no power and no voice. Um, Jesus is coming to bring good news to you. Um, he's coming there to proclaim the release of the captives. Hallelujah. Those who are captive spiritually, those who are captive physically, he's coming to release you. Coming to release you. Um, and recovery of sight to the blind, those who can't see spiritual things perhaps, but also physically, those who can't see. Um, he's coming to let set you free. And he's coming to let the oppressed go free. He's coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hallelujah. Jubilee. Jubilee. All debts are forgiven. Everything's written off. Well, that'd be a great thing in our society, wouldn't it? Have your mortgage just written off. That'd be great. (laughs) To preach good news to the poor. uh, Release the prisoners, the sights, the blind to have sight, the oppressed to go free, and those sat upon and pushed down by others, and to proclaim, the declare the year of Jubilee. It's a phenomenal thing. And today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Beautiful. Fantastic. Um, and all spoke well of him. Isn't that great? I mean, in terms of sermons, this is going well. This is going really well. So how do you get that to um, to being pushed off a cliff? How do you how do you how do you move from that to that? That's that's a massive emotional move, isn't it? That's a that's an incredible um, 
uh, change of circumstances. The mood changes. And, and, and interestingly, in the, uh, in the passage, it's quite interesting because it says all spoke well of him and so on. Um, and then it says, and then it says, isn't he Joseph's son? That's really interesting, that, isn't it? Is, was that a bit cynical? Because there must have been, uh, there must have been rumors around uh, Mary, mustn't there? Uh, oh, she's had a visitation, has she? Oh, yeah. <laughs> must have been rumors. Is that a bit cynical? Um, out of marriage? Um, uh, and then, it, then he speaks to into it, doesn't he? He speaks into it and says, you know, you've been waiting for people to come and do some miracles here, haven't you? And he's speaking into the cynicism a bit. He's speaking into that sarcasm. Um, there's an undercurrent of questioning, an undercurrent of caution. Um, and he replies to the changing mood. You know, you did miracles in other places. Come and do them here. Come and do them here. So something's changed in the room. But that doesn't create adulation to attempted murder. That doesn't create it. It's not that that creates it. It's two examples from the Bible that move them from adulation to murder, attempted murder. Um, the first is that he talks about Elijah and the widow. Very interesting. So Elijah, of course, goes to a starving widow in a pagan land after he has proclaimed judgment on the king. Elijah proclaims a famine a direct challenge to the king, whose job it is really basically to keep people in essentials. That's his job. Um, he is sent to the hometown of Jezebel, who's his arch enemy. Um, you know, in terms of calling, I'm not, you know, Lord, I'll go anywhere. But seriously, I'm not going back there or going to that place because that's not a really good place to do. But God, of course, always, if you ever say to God, I'll serve you anywhere but there, then you really are in trouble. Um, and he sent to her hometown to a widow and to someone not in the, in, in the Jewish faith. So she's a pagan. And then the grace of God comes to her. And then it gets even worse because he used the example of Elisha and Nahum, who was the enemy general. This is the enemy general of Israel who is, is sent by someone in his camp who knows of this prophet who cures people and he's got a skin disease and, and the whole story about him getting healed. I mean, this is, this is like, you know, the commander of the Houthis at the moment giving, giving a couple of churches a ring in, in, in the UK and saying, oh, by the way, he's not feeling well. Could you pray for him? <laughs> it's similar. Um, so, and Elisha, God's grace comes to Nahum. Um, and it says they were filled with rage, isn't it? Because of these two stories. Because of these two stories. Because, firstly, of course, he is preaching love to your enemy. That's what he's preaching. In the enemy general, God's grace comes to the enemy general. Therefore, God's grace could come to the Romans. That's, that's, that's the link, you see. So when you're under occupation by Roman authority, when Rome is trying to completely dominate your culture and take over everything, when you are paying 60% taxes, probably, 60% taxes, um, when a Gentile um, invading force is in the Holy Land, 
You don't love them, for goodness sake. You don't love them. But somehow the gospel here is saying, yes, you do. You love your enemies. And then, of course, he's preaching to a pagan widow, which is the outcast. You know, she's the, and he was the, he was, he was the Gentile with leprosy, so he was an outcast. And she's, of course, a pagan woman. Um, and she's an outcast. And they are not people who should receive the grace of God. They're not people certainly within their uh, mindset. This was deeply offensive to them. Both these stories were so deeply offensive to them, they moved from applauding what he was doing to trying to attempt to murder him because of these two stories. And they're very powerful stories, and we need to allow them to actually affect our own lives as well. Because what they did, you see, in those days, was there was a sense of holiness and unholiness. So there were certain things that were holy, and there were certain things that were unholy, okay? There was a demarcation between the two. And God's grace came to the holy, but not to the unholy. God's grace came to those who did it all right, and God's grace did not come to those who didn't do it all right. There's a whole demarcation before it. And one illustration of this, actually, is the, is the food laws. Um, because holiness here is separation. So you, you separate yourselves from those who are unholy. Um, the food laws, interestingly, of the 341 Pharisaical laws, 229 about who you ate with and who you didn't eat with. Isn't that interesting? So the majority of the laws were to do with eating and the table table laws, um, cleanliness laws, uh, what things you ate and what things you didn't eat, and particularly those you did eat with or didn't eat with. Um, there were powerfully, there were, there were ways of socially excluding people, really. Yeah, that's what they were. Um, there were holy ones and unholy ones, and pagan widows and enemy generals were, were not on the list to come in. <laughs> um, there was, it was a bit like a, a kind of a private dining room, or a, you know, a club where, you know, there's a bouncer outside and either your name's on it or it's not on it. Yeah? And if your name's on it, you're okay, you can get in. But if your name's not on it, there's no way you're coming in. It's kind of that kind of exclusivity to it. Um, in fact, actually, there was a, there was a list of professions, um, where they would actually list the professions of, so if you had a profession in a certain thing, you couldn't get in. Uh, you couldn't get into this dining room of grace. Uh, um, I mean, for instance, I don't know if we have any, uh, do we have any farmers or anything or anyone involved in agriculture here or, no, you're a town, aren't you? Don't do that sort of thing. Um, anyone involved in retail? Anyone ever been involved in retail in the past over? Yeah, a few of you? Yep. Yeah, no, you're not coming in. You're not on the list. Um, anyone involved in healthcare? Any doctors, nurses that do have? Great. Um, no, you're not on the list either. Um, anyone uh, involved in butchers uh, for a butchers? Or that's good because you're not on the list. Anyone clean? Any cleaners here? Any cleaners? Anyone? Anyone clean their house? Um... <laughs> yeah, no, you're not on the list. Um, any hairdressers here? This is the list, by the way. Sorry, any hairdressers? Um, great, you're no, you're not on the list. Any blood letters? It's not, it's not a big occupation these days. Um, <laughs> uh, tanners, um, you're not on the list to get in. Oh, gamblers. Any gamblers in the room? Um, yeah, 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 no, you're not on the list. Any tax collectors? Yeah, well, no, you certainly shouldn't be on the list, should you? Um, 
Oh, here's another list, sorry. Any adulterers, prostitutes, or idolaters? Any would like to just, just raise your hand and uh, just, you know, just come on. Um, no, you're not on the list. Any supporters of Ipswich Town? Uh, yeah, no, you're not on the list either. Um, <laughs> um, and any, any Jewish people here who don't keep all the law? Yeah, you're not on the list. Um, oh, sorry, any Gentiles here? Any, any John Jewish? Yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Um, uh, you're not coming in. You're not, you're excluded, you see. Um, you're not, you're not coming in. You're not, you're not coming into the grace of God because, because you're not on the list, you see. You're not worthy. Um, and in fact, the culture of that day, you were despised. You're an outcast. You're untouchable. In fact, if you touch somebody who was on the list, they then had to go through a cleanliness process to get back on the list to get it in. Can you imagine that? Just, you know, somebody touches you and then feels unclean. I mean, you get in India, don't you, with some of the castes. Uh, um, you are locked out of the private dining room in first century Judaism. And you're treated as the scum of the earth. That's what you are. You are despised. They won't even touch you. They won't even talk to you. They are holy and you are unholy and you are to be avoided at all costs. How does that feel sometimes? Um, Interesting, isn't it? One of the major criticisms of Jesus was who he ate with and who he didn't eat with. Isn't that interesting? You know, they, so he goes to, the, you know, calls, uh, the tax collector and, I'll, you know, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. Um, why, why do you eat with these tax collectors and sinners? Do you understand this? This was highly provocative and, and kind of deeply challenging to them. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Um, he's changing the, the kind of the rules of the game, isn't he? Um, it's as if he stands up in the food court of life and he says, um, is anyone thirsty? Is anyone hungry? It's as if he, he lays out a table um, in the food court of life and, and, and puts a white tablecloth on it and a candelabra and, and just fills it with feasting and food and, and fabulous kind of drinks and and as if he says and stands up on a chair in the food court of life and says, if anyone is thirsty or anyone is hungry, come and eat. Just come and sit down. Just come and sit down. That's, that's why, you see, they wanted to push him off a cliff. Because they didn't like that message. Um, brothers and sisters, uh, holiness is not something to defend. Holiness is something to be unleashed. You see, um, when when the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years touches the hem of Jesus, um, he should have become unholy then, you see, because he, he was touched by someone who, who was unholy. Uh, but the irony is she becomes holy. <laughs> she, she becomes healed. He doesn't get unholy. She becomes holy. 
Um, now you can you can feel this sometimes within churches, you know, two thousand years later, that somehow you have to keep yourself away from people. You have to keep yourself protected. You have to keep yourself kind of holy, as if somehow you're holy anyway, which is ridiculous, really, to be honest, isn't it? Because you're just a bunch of sinners, <laughs> um, loved by God. Um, brothers and sisters, we're not here to protect ourselves, and we're certainly not here to protect God. God doesn't need protecting. What needs to happen is the holiness of God needs to be unleashed on the world. (laughs) So the only way to do that is to get out there and eat with the people no one else wants to eat with. And to sing the songs to people no one else wants to sing. You see? It's to be in this world and be of this world, not of this world, but in this world, affecting this world, changing this world, becoming God's grace and love to this world. Holiness is to be unleashed into the world. He sits in the food court of life. And he eats with the tax collectors and the sinners. And that's the call of the church today. So whoever you are, whether you're a pagan widow or an enemy Gentile um, general, come to the table. Come to the table, you sinners and you failed. You abusers and you abused. Come. 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 It doesn't matter what you've done. I don't care what you've done. Come. Uh, this is not the gathering of the righteous in the sense. I mean, it is spiritually, but to be honest, we're a bunch of sinners, aren't we? And the more I go on in the Christian faith, the more I realize I'm a sinner. I used to think that the more you go on, the more you think you were holy. It works the other way, doesn't it? Because the closer you come to Jesus, you think, oh my goodness, so much more to change. So much more to change. Oh, that we will grow ministries and churches, and you guys have churches like this with this heart. We're to be the church not known for its barriers and its rules and its regulations. It defensive of somehow, you know, our holiness status, tight-fisted with our attitudes and our actions. We are to be the people used of God into this world. There is a world crying out there for holiness to come into lives. Well, they don't realize that, but that's the truth of it. There's certainly a world out there wanting to receive love. We're the people of Jubilee. We're the people who are meant to set people free. We're the people who are meant to make the blind see. We're the people who are meant to make the oppressed be free. That's the people we are. How are you going to do that? You better get alongside them to do that. Can't just do that through social media. (laughs) You've got to do that in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods. God's grace is for everybody. In God's grace, there is no Daily Mail's list of the most repugnant. (laughs) God loves everyone. Martin Luther King said, we were made, there is a call to live an extreme love. An extreme love. A love to the unlovable, a love to the loveless. A love that goes to the extreme. Because Jesus went to the extreme. And he loved us to the very extreme. And there is nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cover. Hallelujah. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. Because the ground before the cross is level playing field. It's not full of the holy and the unholy. It's full of a bunch of sinners who have been saved by Jesus Christ. And we're all on the same, all on the same level. It's about loving your neighbor who, who makes your life hell or just as difficult. Do you ever have neighbors like that? 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Or the teenage hoodie you're scared of on the way home from work. Or the boss at work is just a bully. Ah, oh, it's horrible, isn't it? Some of you have that. And God's calling you to love him or her. Really? There should be limits to this love, shouldn't there? What about that woman in church you can't abide? Uh, we used to have uh, two services uh, in our church. It used to work well for people who wanted to avoid people in the morning services because you go to the other service. <laughs> um, what about that church minister who abused their position or that family member who let me down or that friend who was disloyal or that husband who walked out on me? This is where it really begins to show, isn't it? When it's personal, when people have just done horrible things. Surely there's a limit here to the love. Um, There isn't. That's the trouble. I wish there was. I really wish there was. Now, quite whether all relationships will be reconciled this side of heaven, I don't know that. But all I can do is make sure that I'm at peace with everyone and that I express love and that I express forgiveness. And I may only be 5% responsible for this breakdown in relationship, but I am 100% responsible for the 5%. So you go and say, could you forgive me, please? And even if they come back and say, yes, I forgive you. And you think, you haven't even asked to forgive you, have you? But that's all right. That's okay, because you've done your bit, you see. This is where the, where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? This is where it is. Because there is a mighty river of grace flowing to this world. It was proclaimed in Nazareth, and it is lived in the grace of Christ. It's displayed in his death, and it pours out in his resurrection, and it flows to the healing of the nations. That's what it's about. They were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. That found me at the age of 15, found me. I walked into this church youth group. I didn't want to go, but I heard there were girls there. It's like a wall of love hit me in the face. I'd never been loved so like it in my life. And I said, I don't know about this religion stuff, but I'll have what you have. <laughs> So I knelt by my, I didn't know you had to kneel by your bed. I don't know whether you had to kneel by your bed, but I did. And I said, if you're up there, I'd like you to come into my life. And I woke up with a smile on my face. My life's never been the same again. Because Jesus came in, you see, and loved me. Loved me. God's grace came to me and flowed out through me, hopefully. God's grace comes to us. I've got a friend who was uh, in the IRA bomb outside Harrods. Do you remember the IRA bomb outside Harrods? Two uh, policewomen were killed. Well, sorry, one was killed. The other one was thrown 50 yards in the air, landed unscathed. Um, her name is Pam. She walks into our church one night, cries her eyes out because she wants Jesus. Because her life has fallen apart by that one act. Eventually, Pam's life is led to Northern Ireland to be involved in the reconciliation process with the IRA. Whoa. I don't know how you do that. I've got another friend of mine who wrote a, a stunning letter to her father who was in prison for abusing her for from the age of three to the age of 16. And she wrote this letter and she said, I forgive you. I don't know if I could do that. But God's love and grace has come so powerfully in her life, she could do no other, you see. She could do no other. 
Brothers and sisters, we've got to let this flow. We've got to let it out into our culture. We've got to let it out into our town. It will be love that changes Ipswich, nothing more. It's no, there's nothing more than love in a way, is there? Not really. There's nothing more than love. Um, uh, that doesn't mean you condone everything. Of course it doesn't. Jesus doesn't condone everything in my life. <laughs> but his love is still working to change it. And we bring people to the table and there's no, there's no entry list to this table. I don't know what people, you know, churches, you know. If there was an entry list to church, could you imagine filling in that questionnaire? That's going to be a hard one, isn't there? You know, we're going to have to go through your finances. We're going to have to go through all your relationships. It's ridiculous. Yeah, come to Jesus. And then Jesus sorts it all out, hopefully. Because <laughs> we're not going to have much of a chance to sort it out. But Jesus will sort it out. And that's what we do. We bring people to Jesus. Um, this is, uh, sorry, th- these are examples I used last night, actually. Um, this is a lovely, lay, wonderful lady in, in Fiji I was with in October. Um, there's the slums in Fiji are horrendous. Um, and these kids are getting no education. They're just on the streets. And she takes 50 to 70 in every single weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And she just teaches them because they're getting no education, you see, because she loves Jesus. <laughs> And she thinks Jesus loves them. She's got eight kids of her own. Every weekend. That's what she's doing now. Um, this is another lady. Uh, isn't that gorgeous? That's just so beautiful. Um, who just spends time um, ministering to the sex workers of Suva in Fiji. Because uh, her heart goes out to them. Um, because they're all been abused hugely. Four out of five women in Fiji have been abused sexually. of the abusers are in church. Because everyone goes to church in Fiji. Um, Massive issues to deal with. But she, she set up this center. She houses them and, you know, gives them mental health and physical health stuff and, and just loves them and loves them and loves them and loves them. Um, sorry, you know people like this. Because this, this is the love of God that leads you to that, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, we're living in a world at the moment deeply in need of this love. We really are. Um, this is the thing that changes people's lives. And we're living in a context today where, uh, you know, the levels of, of, of poverty are going way beyond what we're used to. These last year, the poverty levels have just dropped dramatically. Um, uh, this is, uh, this is where, where I live actually. I went from one of the richest areas to, um, to one of the poorest areas. This is Withenshaw Estate. Um, uh, you won't work out where this is in Withenshaw because every single house looks like this. 100,000 people, largest estate in Europe. Um, uh, uh, the house on the left there um, was uh, occupied by a lady, single parent. Um, uh, she uh, was involved in the sex trade. So these flash cars used to pull up because it's all, it's all done on the internet now, isn't it? Um, and... Uh, She'd entertain her friends. Um, the couple sort of on the left-hand side of slightly further in, they got um, kind of learning difficulties. Um, they're right pains, actually. They, they spent the, all of COVID shopping people in for breaking COVID regulations. Um, we know that because other friends of mine have got a police radio, so you know where the complaint came from. <laughs> it's all very connected. Um, and then uh, the lady, we were in the corner actually on the left, and then the lady sort of next to us, um, uh, she, uh, she's a single mum, 
And she's one of the best mums I've ever met, actually. She really is stunningly good as a mother. But she's just had a, a an ex-partner accuse her of sexual abuse of the children. So they've taken two of them away. Completely. And they've gone to be with him. But they haven't taken the younger ones away. Because he can't cope with the younger ones. He just wants the older ones. Um, and she's fighting to get them back. And, uh, um, and then the next house is a single mum with a teenage daughter who's had a baby. And um, she's disabled. She's struggling. Her son's attempted suicide during lockdown. Uh, there's in the corner on the right. We're not sure who lives there, actually. They never come out. Um, literally, I don't know if they come out at midnight or something. Um, uh, and then the next house in on the right is uh, a couple with significant disabilities. Um, but they bring up their grandchild. But the mother's just over the road. Um, uh, autism, I think, and I don't know. Anyway, the mother of the road just got a PhD. These people are not unintelligent. Okay, don't, 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 you know, just because somebody finds themselves in different circumstances to you does not mean it's an intelligence issue. It's a challenge issue. They have challenges far beyond the ones that you and I have just to survive in this world. Um, uh, and then there's a house just over the road, two anti-vaxxers. Uh, one of them died during COVID. Um, and then on the right-hand side is a, a single mum. She's got two kids. Um, she's She's got a boyfriend. Um, and he's from another faith group. And uh, um, they've been going out for two years. And, and he, he is promising to, to introduce her to, to his parents one day. <laughs> but that day never seems to come. And she walked into her um, local shop the other day with the two kids. One of them wanted to go to the toilet. And uh, they said, you know, have you got a toilet? I'm, the kid needs the toilet. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, come on in. Um, and then he sexually assaulted her in the toilet in front of her kids. Sorry, this is just one estate. This is just one, just one quadrangle of houses. Um, there's pain out there, you know. There's pain out there. Um, and people need to be loved, don't they? Um, uh, my wife uh, just loved these people. She took, she took the verse, love your neighbor, literally. I thought it was more metaphorical. Um, <laughs> she literally took it literally and, and just loved these people. And um, Interestingly, when, uh, when she was diagnosed with uh, stage 4 ovarian cancer six years ago, um, our relationship with this estate went to a whole other level because we joined their vulnerability. We joined their vulnerability because they're vulnerable and we were vulnerable. And they were some of the most supportive people uh, for us. Um, and uh, she would she would put the bins out and, and spend an hour and a half. I said, what have you been doing? She said, oh, I've just been chatting. Because she'd do her pastoral rounds, you know. Um, she just loved to this estate. That's what they needed, love. And they recognized it, recognized it. Um, and when she passed away 18 months ago, they all came to her Thanksgiving. Of course they did. They'd been to church in their lives, most of them. Um, brothers and sisters, uh, there's a pain of this city. I don't know where it is in Ipswich, but, the, but some of you know where that pain is. Um, and some of it may be in the poor areas, some of it may be in the richer areas, actually. Just because you've got a bit of money doesn't mean you can hold your marriage together, does it? In fact, sometimes with a bit of money, your kids can get more drugs. <laughs> you know, 
it doesn't hold, it doesn't necessarily hold life together. But there are people who are oppressed. And there are people for whom they're trying to lift their heads above the parapet and they keep getting knocked down. Knocked down. And of course, as the, our institutions suffer and uh, struggle and um, they're not getting the support they used to once get. Um, brothers and sisters, we need a new form of love across our towns and our cities. God loves Ipswich. He loves it to the extremes. To the extreme. And this is your calling. It's not your hobby. I don't care where God has placed you in the workplace, uh, whether he's in your neighborhood. I don't know what it is. But brothers and sisters, you are sent to Ipswich. If you weren't sent to Ipswich, go somewhere else. But God's sending you. You are called here. This is your place. I'm not responsible for it. I'm responsible for the whole of Greater Manchester. I can't do with Ipswich as well. But you're not responsible for Greater Manchester. It's all right. But you are responsible for Ipswich. Because if it prospers, you will prosper. Amen? If it gets blessed and loved, you will experience that blessing and that love. But you are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ into this town to see the effect, to see change. That's what this is about. It's about fundamental life change. And you are the ambassadors of God. As you go out to this afternoon, as you go out tomorrow, as you sit in your health service or your business or your education or wherever it happens to be, you are the arms and the feet and the hands and the voice of Jesus into those situations. So go and speak love and go and listen to people and love them and care for them and offer to pray for them. Every person, non-Christian, I would say, can I pray for you? And never refuse me. Who refuses someone to pray for them? Of course they don't. We're those kind of people. And we'll set up our organizations, our projects, and that's fine. But most of it will be one-to-one stuff, won't it? One-to-one stuff. Um, where you just go and love and care and love people. Because we have been loved. <laughs> um, and we're still being loved. And you've got issues yourself. Of course you've got issues yourself. So we join these people. We join everybody, don't we? We're no better than them. Um, but we're uh, on that level playing field before Jesus, before his cross. And we bring people to him and we just say, just he just adores you and loves you. Um, and your self-image is bad. But let me tell you about someone who says you're a daughter of the living God. You are made in my image. And even if you can't stand looking at yourself in the mirror, I can't stop looking at you, says God. And I sing over you, says the Lord. I rejoice in you. I don't I, Thank God God hasn't got an Instagram account. He doesn't post the pictures of the best looking. Because everyone to him is his best looking, isn't it? I mean, he's like a mother with a baby, isn't it? Is that the most attractive baby in the world? Of course it is. I mean, sometimes you've got to think, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> but to that mum, that's the most attractive baby in the world. Your children are the most intelligent in the world, aren't they? Yeah? Come on. Because you, they're your kids. You love them. You believe in them. Phenomenal. That's how God treats you. That's how he treats this kind. He loves this town. Seriously, he's got a huge, huge future for it. He tells all the angels what he's going to be doing in Ipswich. God's for you, you know. He's he's for this town. He's for this whole area. This this is his. Not one square inch over the whole domain of human existence over which Christ is Lord does not declare mine. I will have it all, he says. And I'll have Ipswich town. 
Amen. I love it. I love your football team. <laughs> I love your hospitals and your businesses and your education. I love your sewage system and your roads. And I love every single living person here. Rich and poor. Those who think they've got life together and those who realize they haven't got life together at all. But I don't care, Jesus says. I love you all. Because I love you. I love you. I love you. And most of all, we need to just know we're loved as well. Because how do you love unless you know you're loved? Um, anyway, stand together. And uh, I think our brother's going to lead us in, in prayer. Perhaps we can just hold our palm, our hands out with our palms upward just as an expression of God's love for us. God loves you, absolutely adores you. He loves your family. He, um, God loves you. He's given his life for you. He couldn't do much more. And we're being brought into this love so that we can be the expression of love. So come Holy Spirit now. And we need to be filled again with your love, Lord, to be able to love others. Um, and some of us have come to the end of ourselves, really. Um, just senses, just one or two relationships here where you, you've just come to the end of yourself and you think, I'm really not sure I can do this. Um, now just receive the love of God again. Receive the love of God again. And I just want to pray for those of you who've just been severely let down by others, um, people who have not loved you, have not loved you, um, and you're hurt and you're, uh, you're scared, actually, to reach out again. And I just pray God's healing on you, actually, in Jesus' name, that you would know his love again, um, and that love would just envelop you and squeeze out of you any resentment or fear or anxiety. Um, and I pray for those of us here who just actually really don't like ourselves. Um, uh, but God loves you. And your father loves you. Um, he looks over you, sings songs over you. Absolutely adores you. And I pray God's grace on you just to change your image of yourself. Um, and I just pray for one or two people here, perhaps just under really suffering from depression at the moment. Um, and that's a horrible place to be. Um, and I just want to pray God's grace on you today. Um, that there will just be a chink of light actually come. Just a chink of light in the darkness. Um, God holds you anyway. Um, but I just pray that you'd know it today, just in this moment. And there's some today just really bowed down by fear and anxiety. Um, uh, and I, I just pray that God's security would be on you. He knows the future. It's all right. It's all right. You, don't, you just have to let go for him. Um, it may feel like a storm at the moment, but come and join him in the bottom of the boat and have a little sleep because everything's going to be all right. We're going to the other side, Jesus says. We're going to the other side. It's all right. And I God, pray God's calming on your anxiety. Um, 
And I pray for all of us just to have an extra dose of love so that we can go out into this week and just love better, Um, be more patient, more gentle, more kind, more forbearing, um, more forgiving um, this week, um, that we may be the hands and feet of Jesus into this world. Um, So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's worship together. But as we do, some of you just want to receive some prayer. And, uh, you know, don't... um, you know, don't be all middle class and British about this. Um, I preach in a church in in uh, in uh, Cork, and in and you, you ask for a prayer release. The whole church come forward. It's it's mayhem. Um, <laughs> but just you know, the people will pray with you. But you know, just come forward and get some prayer. Uh, who needs prayer? Everyone needs prayer, don't they? Sorry, let's forget doing this on our own. We're a community of God. So if you want to get some prayer, a bit more dose of love in your life at the moment, or one of those words was specific for you, then just come forward. We'll just pray for you, and uh, um, let's ask God's grace upon us.